curse of the devil. Exorcism, a sacrifice. Blessing or bestiality. Curse of the devil. Satan in control of the body and the mind. My love will destroy the creation. I swear that you'll find Hello and welcome to the Nashy Cast. I am Rod Barnett. I'm Troy Gwynn. And we're here tonight for another episode in our long-running, long-suffering, but long-running <laughs> series of shows on non-Nashy-related Spanish horror films, the Beyond Nashy Run. This tonight is Beyond Nashy number twenty-five, and uh, we're going to uh, we're going to do something a little out of the ordinary tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, a film mm-hmm. that Troy and I have been thinking about uh, watching for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, for at least five years, to mm, at the very, I think very so, least, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we're going to finally get around to talking about that tonight, and it's a very strange leap for us because once again, uh, we don't do it often, but uh, we're going into the twenty-first century. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are flying cars. There are jetpacks. If you're wondering why the walls are spinning, that's right. That's, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You have entered. The future, yes. at least the future as mm-hmm. compared to what we normally cover, I suppose. So tonight, we're going to be talking about a movie from 2011, which, uh, wow, that's just, that's so recent, it, it yeah. almost, it, it, it's weird to be talking about a film mm-hmm. that recent, I just, mm-hmm. I'm not used to it, but it's a Spanish horror film, actually a Spanish horror comedy, mm-hmm. that's known over here as Game of Werewolves. There are a number of other titles that it's known under, we'll get to those in a little while, but... Tonight, Game of Werewolves. Um, yeah, we're kind of breaking, you know, are kind of breaking some of our Beyond Nashy rules. There's not really anybody that we know of associated with this film that was associated with Paul Nashy. But I think two things, I think we can let it slide on. One, it's werewolves. So it's Spanish film about werewolves. So right. that's the Nashy connection. Plus the fact that I suspect that had Nashy, had this film been made just a few years earlier, I bet they would have found somewhere to put Paul Nashy in it. Uh, I can think of a couple of roles that I could have seen him actually playing in this in this film, and so oh, I, yeah. I would suspect the filmmakers, you know, would have would have loved to have put uh, Paul in there somewhere if they could have, had he still been around. Plus, I've got to say that uh, in the design of some of the faces of the werewolves, oh yeah, I, I think there's, we got there's, some... there's more than a touch of uh, El Hombre Lobo. I agree. So. Agreed. Hey, I managed to not say Alhambra Lo- Loco. Loco. <laughs> which, <laughs> crazy. I've been thinking all day I'm going to slip up and say. Yeah. yeah I think you did that in the very first episode we ever did. I think you said I that. I think, yeah, I think is when that came from. When we... <laughs> oh, man. If anybody... The crazy man. Paul Nancy is the crazy man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody's listened back to the first episode yeah. recently, something that I can't bring myself to do. Uh, tell me if I do slip up and call him Alum. Alhambra Loco. <laughs> Which, by the way, if if I was doing it, it was an accident. Yes. I am just that stupid. So, <laughs> tonight we'll talk about Game of Werewolves. Uh, we do want to keep you abreast of what's going on uh, when Troy and I sit down over on the Bloody Pit podcast. Um, we are continuing our running series of shows on <laughs> the Universal Horror Films of the 1940s. Oh, man, it's going to be a weird night. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, the most Wait. recent episode, uh, when you hear this, the most recent episode will still be The Mummy's Hand. 
And then uh, in November, uh, next month, Troy and I will be talking about uh, the third Invisible Man mm-hmm. film, although it's called The Invisible Woman. Yes. So uh, a little um, step outside. That's a comedy too, actually, mm-hmm. kind of a yeah. kind of a science fiction comedy. So we're just we're just all about the yucks mm-hmm. here near the end of the year, <laughs> aren't right. we? Yeah, yeah, we just all could use a laugh and. Uh... And I, I and when we, we need a laugh, we turn right to Spanish horror. <laughs> Actually, it's not the case. Yeah, no, so, yeah, but. That is not generally the case, but the film tonight. Uh, we may find ourselves in a, yeah, in a different territory tonight, different opinions. Yes. Not different from each other, but different from our usual <laughs> opinions of Spanish horror. <laughs> of, of Spanish comedy, yes. Of Spanish comedy, yes. But uh, just a little tease also uh, this year on The Bloody Pit. We will, we will uh, Troy and I will be joined again by our buddy John Hudson. To uh, return to the end of year holiday horror series that we've been doing for the past few years, um, this year we're gonna we're gonna touch on uh, what I consider to be a true holiday classic, uh, Christmas Evil. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, therefore, I've already said that I like it, and mm-hmm. uh, I've kind of given the game away a bit. Yeah. There, so. Well, might as well cancel that one there. <laughs> no, no, no point in doing that show. <laughs> well, sadly, I'm already on the record about uh, about that film. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, because I've done a couple of uh, episodes on Christmas movies years back that, uh, in, w- in, w- in which I mentioned that film at least once or twice. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, the next couple or three months of what's going on for uh, Troy and I. Uh, there will be other podcasts sprinkled here, there, and yon. So uh, keep your ears open, and we will uh, we'll see what happens. I'm mm-hmm. I'm still hoping to get to Zardoz done here before. Oh the end man, of the year. you've been teasing that that Zardoz attention is just the rumblings in the podcast. <sighs> I know. world is, is <laughs> the just rumblings in the podcast world. It's <laughs> called indigestion. Man. That's what that is. <laughs> no, it's just that. Well, Randy, my you know my yeah. cohort, cohort in seventy science fiction crime has been writing a book. Oh, is that and, all? Uh, <laughs> and uh, that will finally see publication in November. I think that's what he said the other night. Mm-hmm. So he and I now have some uh, time freed up where we can settle in, strap on, <laughs> strap on our our diapers. Yeah, I was just about to say, yeah, strap on your your vampirella outfits there. Right. You know. right. Run around screaming, you know, the penis is evil, and, you know, we'll be great. So, uh, <laughs> that's an outlook. Man, maybe a warning for mm. what's coming up on the, the bloody pit for the rest of the year. But tonight on the Nashy Cast, Beyond Nashy 25, we're going to talk about Game of Werewolves. So, I tell right. you what, we don't have any other announcements that I'm aware of. So, we'll take a quick break here, come back, and uh, start talking about this film. By the way, we're going to try to not spoil it because it is a recent film. It's only... You know, at this point, seven years old, and, and it's on uh, a region-free Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, let's let's talk about that for just a second. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm 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 teasing horribly here, but mm. yes, if uh, this film, I from my, from my understanding, this film actually got sold to uh, pay cable over here in the United States. Uh, I don't think it's been released on video over here at mm-hmm. all, mm-hmm. but it has been released on excellent Blu-ray in in uh, Great Britain. That interestingly enough is actually region-free. Yeah. So, you don't necessarily need a region-free uh, player to watch this film on a Blu-ray. Uh, and I'll be honest, I looked around. I can't find it on any streaming service. If uh, if it is available on some streaming service, please let us know so that we can let other folks know. Oh, and we should say right now while we're talking about this, it's a, it's under the title of Attack of the Werewolves. That Blu-ray is actually oh, that's called true, Attack that's true. of the Werewolves. Yeah. Um, Not Game of Werewolves. Yeah, trust me. Many yeah. titles yeah. to this film. So, Attack of the Werewolves is the name of the Blu-ray in Great Britain. Worth your time, worth your trouble, and um, we'll play on your on your Blu-ray player here in the states. Of course, I just realized this is this is the internet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> People like Blu-ray player disc. What is that? What is that? 
Yeah, yeah. I'm trying. Like I say, can't find it on a streaming service, but you know, if you find one, let others know. Mm-hmm. Post, post a link, folks. <laughs> so uh, we'll be back in just a second, and we'll start talking about this film. spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Kid Radio. Here are your hosts, Derek M. Cook, and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classic and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Price, and Joel Hodgson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival. Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and the head of Rondo Hatton. Only on Monster Kid Radio. All right, fellas, here's your story. Greetings, my friend. We are all interested in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. And we cannot keep this a secret any longer. Wait, Captain. I have found evidence of intelligent beings on this planet. Look to the skies. It's the B-Movie Cookbook. Menus inspired by 15 of your favorite B-movies from the 1950s. With teenage werewolves, blobs, and enough cheese for everyone. When we return to our planet, the High Court may well sentence you to torture. But until then, we've got Ed Wood and Vincent Price. There'll be food and drink and ghosts, and perhaps even a few murders. You're all invited. So impress your friends with dinner and a movie with the B-Movie Cookbook. We've got you covered. Get your copy today at bmoviecookbook.com. That's bmoviecookbook.com. Let me see that book. I am interested to see what sways your mind so heavily. Sure thing. Just visit bmoviecookbook.com. Hola. Bueno, eh, serían ustedes tan amables de mantenerse a la vista y con los brazos levantados se hacen el favor. Muchísimas gracias, jóvenes. ¿Tú qué coño haces? No sabemos si son violentos. Vamos a concederles el beneficio de la duda. Duda despejada, no son pacíficos. de Arga, also known as Game of Werewolves and Attack of the Werewolves. It's actually listed as a 2012 Spanish film, but the the, the date on the print of the film mm. is 2011. Right. So I'm going to go, I guess I'll go with 2012, mm-hmm. but the mm-hmm. IMDb says 2011. At any rate, mm-hmm. a very recent film. Yes. Now, the Spanish title is Lobos de Arga, which is the Wolves of Arga. Yeah. Or Wolves of Arga. Uh and I kind of like that title the best. I do too. I thought that was the best of all of our choices there. 
Attack of the Werewolves is kind of generic. Yeah, yeah. Which is apparently what it was called in the United Kingdom. And then Game of Werewolves. Uh, That one really doesn't do a whole lot for me. I mean, it's not terrible, but it's. I think you could have done could have done better than you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's Game of Werewolves. I mean, I guess maybe they were trying to get across the idea that it was that it's humorous. Maybe. 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 I hope they weren't trying to tie it into Game of Thrones. You know, that would really be a reach. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's that's yeah, that's a real reach. First of all, not that it would be the first Spanish film that's really really reached with its title, but uh, as we've seen on the uh, Nashi cast, but. uh, not at yeah. all. <laughs> well, this film is uh, the brainchild of uh, Juan Martinez Moreno, Moreno mm-hmm. uh, who uh, wrote and directed this thing, and uh, it's his it's his, it's his only real big credit. Yeah. And um, let's just say that uh, it's pretty impressive to to have gotten this made at all. Well, yeah, I, mean, I was kind of surprised when I looked at his filmography and saw how little he's really done on the whole, um, because this film won quite a few awards. And it was selected to. You probably have that information. From well, no, 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 but but, but, yeah. but you go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was just gonna say, but it was selected to many festivals. Uh, really, just kind of surprises me that he hasn't gotten more work if he's been seeking more work. Uh, now, now I know the film did not. I don't think did that well in Spain. No, but, apparently but, it didn't. Yeah, yeah, but usually, if you can get your film in that many festivals, win some awards, somebody's going to take notice. Um, but really, as far as I can tell, all he's done since then was he directed a segment of the second part of the ABCs of Death. And I don't know if you've ever seen any of those films. The, no, uh, I, I started watching... Oh, darn, now I can't remember. No, I've not seen any of the ABCs of Death that I think of. It. Yeah, what that is, a Spanish yeah. anthology series. Um, and I've seen the first one. And, like, and you know, there's like an, a segment for each letter of the alphabet. And, of course, for... Obviously, they're pretty short, and yeah. with something like that, it's going to be a lot of hit and miss in there. But some of them were quite impressive, but I've only seen the first part. I've not seen the second one that apparently Moreno has a, a segment of, but that's all he's done so far, That I that at least according to IMDb, that's all he's done since... Uh, and it didn't even list anything in production currently for him, so... Yeah, and of course, a, a good bit of that has got to be the fact that the film, you know, wasn't some kind of hit. Right. And without that kind of... <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. monetary track record, then it's going to be mm-hmm. very difficult, I guess, to get anything mm-hmm. off the ground. And of course, I'm I'm thrilled that he got this one off the ground too, for, yeah. for multiple reasons that we'll get into. But at the mm-hmm. same time, yeah, <clears throat> mm-hmm. it's 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 mm-hmm. hard out there. Yeah. And I, it's got to be even more difficult. I mean, I'm assuming that he's trying to stay in Spain or at least in mm-hmm. Europe mm-hmm. to find uh, production know, I, money. And that's not easy. You know, actually, I, I almost feel like in, in in that uh, I heard that he's that it, maybe it says maybe I saw in his uh, biography that he may actually be living in London now but uh, but I could be wrong about that I mean but I think I read that that he may actually have moved to London but regardless I would hope that he would get the opportunity to, to um, because apparently there was a, there, there was an idea to uh, for either a sequel or a prequel to this film that mm-hmm. you know apparently probably won't get made now simply because there was just you know not enough interest in the film as far as as far as we can tell which is a shame but I'm sure you know a guy that shows this much creativity has got other ideas floating mm-hmm. around in his head and so even if he just hired himself out on mm-hmm. someone you know someone mm-hmm. else's uh script or just did a you know a polish or co-wrote he would probably be able to find something that would inspire him to uh bring to the screen something else along the lines of this film mm-hmm. so let's let's talk about this first of all let's let's emphasize that outside of uh, an opening section uh, that sets up uh, the curse mm-hmm. around the village of Arga. Mm-hmm. This is a contemporary set film. This film takes place in you know roughly 2010, 2011, 2012, somewhere around in there. And that's something that 
I wonder. I wonder if that's something that needed to be emphasized to get more people to go watch it, or if the mm-hmm. idea in Spain, at least, mm-hmm. is just we're not going to watch some damn werewolf movie. I don't no. know. No, I know that it, it, that, that uh, that's that's one of the reasons, all the way back to the golden age, mm-hmm. that Italian, French, mm-hmm. German, <laughs> Spanish filmmakers would take on uh, more English sounding. Surnames, or or completely change their names to something that that was that was very anglicized, to uh, sign the to sign their films because it made them an easier sell to yeah. even yeah. you know European audiences. Uh, that was just the perception is that if it was mm. something that uh, might be perceived as having actually come from the United States or Hollywood, yeah, then people were more likely to go see it. And I think that that uh, stigma may still apply to a lot of. Uh, let's just say genre films. I think yeah, that oh, yeah. to a large degree, uh, I, I, it, it seems to persist that if it's genre and it doesn't come from the United States, there's a tendency for European mm-hmm. film goers <laughs> to either ignore or to kind of look down their nose at it. Whereas here in America, the tradition's always been the exact opposite. If it didn't, you know, they always had to try a lot of times cover, you know, hide yeah. the fact that it didn't come directly from here in America. Yep. You know. Yep. And that's pretty weird. But yes, it is. <laughs> What can you say? Uh-huh. Audiences are fickle bitches. Yes, they are. So, let's talk about the plot. Uh, and we were go- we're going to say up front that we're not going to ruin. We're not going to spoil the entire film. We're going to go through a fair amount of the story, but we're going to draw ourselves to a stop at a certain point and not discuss uh, not discuss details mm-hmm. past a certain mark in the film because we want to encourage people who are interested in this to seek the film out without us kind of ruining some of the really fantastic surprises in the final third of the mm-hmm. story. Yeah. So, um, the film starts off with a, a, a kind of a pre-credit sequence in 1910 in a, a small Galatian village uh, named Arga. Now, It's a cool animated sequence, actually. It really is actually fantastic, and that's mm-hmm. a wonderful way, in my opinion, to start off a film like this because you, you kind of set the mood and the tone mm-hmm. with the stylized animation, mm-hmm. with the uh, the voiceover, giving, you know, the narration giving you the story mm-hmm. and uh, giving the both the right feel and, and, a, and a tone of both of seriousness about the events being mm-hmm. depicted, mm-hmm. but at the same time, the fact that it's this stylized animation mm-hmm. gives you, I, I don't know, for me, it, it, it feels like setting the scene so perfectly because it, it conjures uh, a sense of of uh, adventure and adventurousness about storytelling types and you know, yeah. and sto- storytelling mm-hmm. uh, style that just makes me feel like, oh, wait a minute, this mm-hmm. this really seems as if we're dealing with people who are interested in doing something interesting here instead of this being some kind of uh, I don't know hack job to mm-hmm. agree. This is this seems like something done by people who are who are concerned about telling a story that interests them as well as hopefully interesting us. And it almost seems like it uh, it's almost like it comes out of a storybook, like an old fairy tale right. or the animation or, you know, the drawings kind of help with that. That it looks like it could be almost like an, an old fairy tale book come to life, you know, which kind of fits for this setting, you know, being in Spain. And, right. Um, but we've seen ever since uh, Tarantino did the, you know, the animated segment in Kill Bill, I think that the audience has been a little more open to or a little more accepting of that kind of style of you know to go Probably. into that sort of deviation like uh, Krampus you know the Krampus film uh, did that, oh, that as well for a little bit you know that well, has also, the also uh, um, uh, Del Toro did it with uh, Hellboy 2 he yes, that exactly, entire yeah. in, that mm-hmm. entire uh, pre-credit sequence mm-hmm. detailing the background of the mm-hmm. story that he's setting up for that film yeah 
Now, because I'm curious mm-hmm. and I wanted to know, mm-hmm. I had looked up and made sure I know where Galicia mm-hmm. is in Spain. And it's in the northern part of Spain. It's in the part of Spain that's actually right above Portugal. Mm-hmm. And so it it, uh, it borders on the Atlantic Ocean. And uh, I looked real hard on the map, and there's no Argo. So it is fictional. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, well, too bad. <laughs> even, though, yeah. even, even though the movie apparently was shot in Galicia, yeah. uh, it, is, uh, it is a fictional village. I'm yeah. sorry. Oh, well. But oh, it doesn't man. really exist. I want to go there and see the werewolves. Yeah. Um. Yeah, no. Oh, well. Oh, well. Cancel, <laughs> first, cancel first, my passport. Yeah. First, it doesn't, ex- first yeah. one doesn't exist. And second, I ain't going anywhere near no damn werewolves. <laughs> Them some bitches kill you. Yeah. So, so uh, we get this uh, this 1910 setup in the village of, of Arga. We're told that the Marino fam- the Marino family, I'm going to say it right, I swear, but I just mm. messed it up anyway. Mm. The Marino family are cursed by a gypsy woman as punishment for the, uh, shall we say, excesses of the Marquis de Marino. Uh The curse is that upon reaching the age of 10, the I'm sorry, it's Marquise. It's the, the woman who's yeah. actually uh, the, the widow of the... Uh, her the, 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 her husband passes away and she rules over the area mm-hmm. in the uh, the early 1900s. And, uh, I've heard it pronounced Marquesa before too, but I don't know if that's the that how, right. I don't know if that's Marquesa. how they the Spanish pronounce it, but I have heard it called Marquesa before. Uh, but um, she uh, takes advantage of a of a passing gypsy man. Mm-hmm. In other words, she has him basically rides him to yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's a uh, you need to see the animation, yeah. folks. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but the curse from the gypsy woman is that upon reaching the age of ten, the son that she has become impregnated with by this gypsy man will become a werewolf. So we then go to 100 years later. So the story is supposed to take place in roughly 2010. Before we get there, I just want to say that oh. what this um, what this intro reminded me of, this story right here, this segment, and, you know, that we're going to see several homages to other werewolf films, you know, right. which is, you know, classic werewolf films, which should be expected here in this kind of film. But what this whole opening thing really reminded me a lot of uh, Curse of the Werewolf, the Hammer film, basically with, and now, basically with there being a evil or corrupt or cruel uh, you know, um, I think it was like a duke or or, or yeah. maybe a um, um, you know that in the in the original Curse of the Werewolf who remember he imprisons the beggar you know and the the beggar then impregnates the 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 girl you know and and right. she gives birth to a son who's a werewolf yeah who's born on Christmas Day right yeah. and so but just just that setting of basically a, a noble of some sort through their corruptness and their cruelty you know it, it causes you know some you know causes this curse to begin. I thought that just made me think of a little bit like the Hammer film there. True, true. Of course, this one could be a lot more explicit. Like in the Hammer film, they had to cover, they had to hide the fact that the beggar was actually a werewolf, which is why it makes no sense if you're watching the film and you're wondering, okay, so just well, because. That's just he, it. I, I, well, that's just it, it. I never got the impression that the beggar was quote unquote a werewolf. It's that it's the fact that the child was mm-hmm. born. On, um, on on Christmas, Christmas Day. yeah, it was like the, part of the legend that, that was that yeah. legend that yeah. you know. Well, apparently he was there. They were originally going to make him a werewolf, yeah. but the censors got after him and said, "Like, no, because that's bestiality. We can't have you know. Well, they, we we won't works. have any of that here." <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's even yeah. odder though that what they what Hammer then you know, managed to get away with in that <laughs> yeah, film, so. which is that the uh, the Lord of the Lord of the Manor as he gets older yeah. is clearly suffering from syphilis. Oh yeah, <laughs> syphilitic <laughs> right. sores yeah. on that yeah. actor's face. <laughs> Holy God, that was some disgusting garbage. Right. Anyway, anyway, Curse of the Werewolf is a different movie. That's right. But, it's not long too. Uh, it, it, it is, of course, natural that you bring it up because this movie is packed mm. with references mm-hmm. to other werewolf films. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, I thought I thought about trying to just enumerate them, and then I got, and then I realized, you know what? Yeah. I'm probably missing a few here yeah. and there because some yeah. of them are small, some of them are unmistakable. Mm. Yeah, but it's just there's so many of them past a certain point. It's just like you know, let's mm. just have fun. Yeah, <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> because it's clear that they know mm. not only their you know their werewolf lore. Yeah. But they know their cinematic werewolf lore, mm. and they know their cinematic werewolf details, and they're you know, mm. and they're they're trying to fold as many of those things into this film as they can, mm-hmm. uh, without ever really you know stopping oh, the story yeah, no, or slowing anything no. down or yeah. making you know drawing a, you know undue attention to it. So mm. I, I I really I really enjoy that. That's something that mm. uh, the the love of the genre, the love of I, I guess we could call it the love of this subgenre, really mm. comes through. In this movie, this is uh, this is clearly it warms my heart to <laughs> to see uh, you know Spaniards making a werewolf film with so much uh, so much heart and so much des- so much obvious love of the genre that it uh, it seems to just permeate the entire film everything mm, everything absolutely. about it yeah. th- this is this is not a group of people making a film on a subject or about a subject on which uh, they seem to be sneering at. No, um, no, no. They, they, they really do seem to really enjoy this stuff. That's nice. Because that's not always been true. No. Well, at any rate, so we, we switch to 2010, and uh, we meet Tomas, mm-hmm. who is a uh, struggling novelist and the last descendant of the Marino family. He has been asked to return to the village by its mayor, to participate in a ceremony because uh, since he's had a novel published, yeah. he's apparently he's been he's been told that he, yeah, yeah there he's the he's the village celebrity mm-hmm. because it's a very small mm-hmm. village, mm-hmm. and uh, they they've asked him to come back, and so he thinks okay why not? Mm-hmm. There's the the house there the the childhood home that he that he spent a lot of time in when he was younger. He now owns it. It's this large abandoned mansion that you know since he's the last survivor of the family, he owns it now. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, well, you know, he's trying to get his shit together so that he can he can write his second novel. Mm-hmm. And he thinks that he can go there and kind of be fetid by, you know, yeah. his, his home village. And at the same time, spend enough time there to uh, find inspiration to write his second novel. Mm-hmm. Now, right off the bat, you get the sense that, <laughs> that, that Tomas is a bit of a... I'm not going to say loser, but maybe he's on the cusp. Yes, and maybe a bit delusional about his own talent, possibly. Possibly. <laughs> well, it's funny because at times it seems as, as if he's trying. To, it, it, mm-hmm. it sounds. It, it seems as if he's trying to convince himself of his own <laughs> abilities. Yeah, and, and know, his aunt's not convinced, as we found out. Pretty no, no, no. Quickly. Yeah, his his aunt, who he's talking to on the phone as he drives there. I think it's great that they used that opening scene with him mm-hmm. driving to the village to set up. Oh, that's great. Going, yeah, yeah. To set up his aunt as a character, mm-hmm. and to set up also how difficult it is in this remote place to actually get good cell service. Right. Yeah. So that's well played. All things that will factor in later. So <laughs> yes, yes, it will. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, in Tomas's exploration of the village. On the, in the on the next few days, he reunites with his childhood friend Callisto mm-hmm. and his uncle Averisto. Mm-hmm. His uncle has <laughs> it's been elected the town's mayor, and it's also uh, kind of co opted the position yeah. of the town's priest as well. <laughs> yeah, which is a little strange. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's a small village, and they're willing yeah. to like kind of mm-hmm. go along with it, I guess. And see, this is this is one of the characters that I could have seen Paul Nashy play if this had been made a few <laughs> years earlier when he was still around and, and, yeah, and better health yeah. and all that. He could have played. I think I could have seen him play the uncle <laughs> there. Yeah, you're right. He could have. <laughs> um, well, now, despite being touted as the guest of honor, Tomas feels concern 
over the fact that he is virtually unknown among all the locals. None of them seem to. He goes into the, he goes into the pub with his <laughs> uncle, <laughs> and no one there seems to know who the fuck <laughs> yeah, he right, is. Yeah. They don't even seem to. They don't even seem to care. <laughs> Which, you know, maybe that's just a Spanish pub. I don't know. But at the same time, well, I wasn't, you know, he, 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 you see the look on his face and it's like, I was invited here because I'm a celebrity, I guess. (laughs) But anyway. He has, he gets to explore his home, his, 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 his his old family home there, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, it really is. This, this location they found the film is nice. Yeah. Well, the whole village again, is just, you know, it's when you see, you, you. You say like, man, this this looks like it probably hasn't changed. It it was probably used in some seventies horror films and hasn't changed a bit since. <laughs> no, I mean, no. it just it's just one of those great timeless uh, Spanish locations there. Well, yeah, not only that. I mean, first of all, it looks like they filmed it uh, late in the year because mm-hmm. it's it's obviously a little cold, mm-hmm. and so it looks very autumnish. Yeah, uh, and that gr- I I don't know how much set dressing they had to do, mm-hmm. but it looks really kind of amazing, especially the graveyard sequence. Oh yeah, sequences I should yeah. say, yeah. where it really looks like an old graveyard, but Lord knows, with all the stuff they do in that thing, they probably had they probably had to build that themselves so that they could get away with some of the crap that they pull. But um, at any rate, uh, let's talk for a moment about Callisto, his his, his childhood oh, yeah. buddy. Yeah. They haven't seen each other in a lot of years. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. What what a great character! This is, oh, this, this is the guy who never left the never left the village. We do find out that that Callisto actually wasn't born in the village, mm-hmm. but he spent almost all of his life there and has never left. And uh, this is a character that could have very easily been played as a hick or a rube. Or just overplayed whatever it was, you know, yeah. just overplayed, yeah. And he's not. No, uh, no. There, you know, the, yeah, yeah, he's, you know, he's got some, some things about his character that mm. you don't particularly, you're mm. not going to particularly uh, want to rub up against, right, so to right. speak. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, Callisto is, a, he's a good character and he's a guy who, isn't none of the characters in this film are cartoonish? No, they're not. No, to the point of unreality. Right, right. Which I thought was refreshing because the oh, let, let, let's so. let's yeah. let's yeah. take a side. Yeah, let's, let's take a little sidestep here for right. a moment. Right, and discuss uh, the Nashy casts luck with Spanish comedies. <laughs> yes, um, we've had none. No, folks. not really haven't. Not until now. Yeah. Um, to be honest, to be blunt. Different societies mm-hmm. find different things amusing. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Nope, nope. I mean, there are all kinds of things that are funny to me because I grew up in the, the American South. Absolutely, yeah. Tennessee. There are all kinds of things that I find amusing. Mm-hmm. Jokes that I would crack. Things that I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my direct fear of, 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 you know, backwoods people doesn't come from some unknown quantity. It comes from having grown up near them and knowing that they're dangerous assholes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But there are things that don't necessarily translate. So we've always tried to take that into account yeah, when yeah. we see, when we cover mm-hmm. a Spanish comedy or even a film that's made in Spain that has com- that has comedy elements. Yeah. They don't seem to land for us. Yeah. And um, it's hard to, so it's hard to know uh, whether it doesn't appeal to us because uh, the, the comedy's too broad or it doesn't appeal to us because of you know there's something within uh, the society that we're just not gonna we're not gonna yeah. get it because it's not just Spanish films that I have this no. problem with or that I don't have this lack of uh, affinity for their humor I have the same issue with Japanese films as much as I love Japanese films very rarely do I like they're comedies, you know, right. uh, same way, you know, Italian films can be the same way, you know, and French films, you know, there's a, so occasionally French comedies like La Cage Faux, I do think it's a, it's a really funny right. film, but 
but for the most part, comedies from these countries, uh, uh, they always come off to me as just too overdone, too overplayed. You know? right, and right. again, it's just a thing in that culture there. So yeah, we probably would have never tried this film knowing it was a comedy, except for just the word of mouth. We had so many people, so many of the people we've talked to on our podcast uh, that have that have said you really need to need guys need to see this one. Well, plus, it's got a good, it's got a really good reputation. It does outside of Spain. Yeah, yeah. Which maybe it, better outside, or maybe better out in the rest of the world than in Spain, right, possibly. Right. Yeah. Which which is a, a definite indicator. So if if your concern about uh, possibly checking out this film is that it's a horror comedy and the comedy mm-hmm. may suck. Uh, that actually doesn't factor into this. No. This uh, this this worked perfectly well on no. us as English speaking as mm-hmm. an English speaking audience mm-hmm. reading subtitles. It's still funny yes. reading the subtitles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, and as we said again, the characters could so many of the characters could have really been exaggerated, and, yes. and they aren't. You're, they have nuances. All the characters, and mm-hmm. they really do. And th- I mean, there are. Um, Honestly, there, there there are three characters in this movie that could have been just caricatures, could have been cartoon Absolutely. clowns, yeah. and they are not. Right. And the fact that they're not um, makes them not just more believable, but it makes all the humor that much better because all mm-hmm. of the humor grows out of mm-hmm. the foibles of these characters and the way they, <laughs> they mm-hmm. rub up against each other and have to interact. That's what the humor derives from instead of it being, you know... You know, incessant mugging for the camera, or mm-hmm. pratfalls, or or anything that's just so overly broad that it could just be in a Three Stooges short. Mm-hmm. So, don't let the fact that this is a comedy scare you away from it. I should say. Now, I have to mention my favorite character overall of them, though. Oh yeah, is Vito the dog? Oh, we haven't talked about Vito. Vito is just amazing. He's uh, Vito's the most adorable dog in the history of, of movies. And, He's amazing. Uh, I would love to see a whole. I would love to see a whole franchise of Vito films myself. And I oh yeah, it, fuck yeah. Benji. Man. Yeah, it's, really, man. No Benji, but Vito. V- v- Vito is just awesome. Yeah. Well, Vito is Tomas's dog, who he brings along with him. Mm-hmm. We find out through the course of the story that the reason he has Vito is that uh, his Mm. Now ex girlfriend who mm. who left mm. him, mm-hmm. uh, it was her dog, but she yeah. left him and she left the dog with him as well. <laughs> yeah, and so it's not even like he picked Vito. That's one of the funnier things well, about yeah, Delaz is that yeah. he is clearly kind of a milk toast, a little bit of a schlep, kind of, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. a schlep, yeah, a schlemiel, a schlemiel, and 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 so he has Vito mm. and. Let's just say that about seventy five percent of the time, I think Vito's smarter than Tomas. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. He established Vito that pretty figured, early on. Then, yeah. I mean, there are moments <laughs> when Vito clearly has figured something out because Vito's a dog and can smell something. Yeah, yeah. Which is okay, great. But then there are other times when you're like, no, I think Vito is. <laughs> no, Vito is right. It's time to do whatever he is doing right now <laughs> yeah. instead of you standing there with the, you know with this look on your face of complete uncomprehension. So you just need to get over there and do yeah. what Vito's doing right now. But yeah, Vito's amazing. I, I do mm. absolutely love mm. him. And mm. once again, it's very easy to do. Um, I almost almost always refer to it as the the Johnny Quest problem, right, which is. Yeah. Johnny Quest is is a very realistic, for the most part, mm. cartoon series. The mm. original '60s mm-hmm. cartoon mm-hmm. series, mm-hmm. which had only one cartoonish thing mm-hmm. about it, which mm-hmm. was Bandit. Mm-hmm. Right, Bandit the dog yeah. is way too anthropomorphized mm-hmm. to be mm-hmm. believable as to be as believable as yeah. the human characters. Right, and they do that because he's he's the mm-hmm. he's the comedic element. Mm-hmm. Bandit's the comedic element of those cartoons. And don't get me wrong, I love Johnny Quest. It's wonderful. But 
Bandit is always the joke. Bandit yeah. is always the yes. center of whatever humor is going to be injected mm-hmm. into the story. Mm-hmm. And Vito is sometimes yeah. the reason something humorous is going on. Yeah. But they don't an- so much anthropomorphize Vito as, as I mentioned a moment ago, just kind of take the things that you expect from a dog yeah. and just elevate them just a tad. Yeah. Because it's clear sometimes that Vito is smarter than Tomas. Yes, and, and yeah, and he's 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 a smart dog, but he also does. He's not so smart that he doesn't sometimes do very dog like things that right. a dog would do in a, in a situation that, that aren't necessarily helpful. The best thing that to aren't do. necessarily helpful. Yes, but that way, <laughs> yeah. Defi- yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. There are a couple of junctures where Vito's dog like instincts are the wrong thing. <laughs> wrong to do. thing. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> but he's just such a scrappy little guy. You got to love him, though. You know, he's, he's, he's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Well, anyway, so further adding to Tomas's dismay is the sudden appearance of Mario, his shady publisher, <laughs> who just shows up at the mansion yeah. the next the, the, the morning after he first gets there yeah. and seems to be on the run from the yeah. law. Yeah, okay? you get the impression he's needing a place to, to hide out. Hide. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because he's definitely trying to put himself in a position where he can stay here and hang yeah. out with, yeah. <laughs> with Tomas for a week or two. Yeah. and. You know, because this place is kind of off the grid, mm. and if anybody calls, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm not here. And actually, yeah. I'm going under this name now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's great because once again, this is a character who could easily have been overplayed. Yeah, but he's not, and some of that is down to the skill, some rather interesting comedic skills. Yeah, from the actor himself. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the way the character is written mm. is. He's never unbelievably cartoonishly right. Yes. Right. criminal or right. or uh, shady's a good word for mm. him. But he's never you never feel like he's so cartoonish or even remotely mm. cartoonish. This looks like a guy who has done this kind of shit before where he's yeah. kind of had to get yeah, out of town for a yeah, while. Yeah. Kind of skip Madrid for a few days yeah. and let things cool down. Right. But he's not but he's not uh, he's not a hundred percent just like total asshole, self-serving. No. You know, he's he has his moments too when he's when he's when he's pretty cool or does the the right thing Doesn't, or something. Yeah, or just exactly. you know, it's just like they all do. So.
On the night of the ceremony, Domas and Mario are abducted by the villagers and taken to a reinforced barn on the village's outskirts. There, after learning about some cryptic cryptic prophecies told to them by, you know, mm-hmm. Tomas's uncle, yeah. uh, both of them are dropped into a dark labyrinth beneath the village. Um, <laughs> and, of course, they're just freaking out as badly as you would expect. Yeah. Uh, they, they start searching around for a way out, and inadvertently awaken the werewolf that mm. is trapped down there. Yeah. It seems the legend is true, and yeah. the villagers all believe it. Mm-hmm. And the, what the legend tells them is that the only way for this thing to be broken is that on the 100th anniversary yeah. of <laughs> the curse taking effect, the only way for it to go away is for the werewolf to eat mm-hmm. the... Last surviving, Last survivor, yes. <laughs> surviving member of the Moreno family. Um, and that's tonight. Yeah. <laughs> which is why they got him back there. So it's all been a big ploy to get this guy here. Now, now I got to hand it to the original Gypsy that cursed his family because she really wrote a curse. She really came up with a curse that there's not many loopholes and the chances oh, of, and there's not many, you got to time things just right to be able to get out of this one, you know, get out of this curse. Because if you, because if you, <laughs> you don't, don't yeah. then an even worse, worse curse, curse yeah. kicks in the gear. <laughs> and we'll get to that in a minute. But I, I love the fact that this village has for decades kept this werewolf <laughs> pinned up and yeah. fed him things yeah. uh-huh. to keep him from destroying the, the village. Even mm-hmm. I mean, because there are no young people left in the village. Right. Clearly, yeah. everybody moves away who can move away. Mm-hmm. And so they've kept this thing pinned up down there and, and kept it fed mm-hmm. in the hopes that eventually they reach this magic day and they can feed Tomas to this thing yeah. and this curse will be over. Yeah. Because if they don't, a worse secondary mm. curse kicks into gear. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a, uh, a bad clause in a contract. It's yeah. Like, you know, I mean, if, you, if you don't fulfill this part of it, then this happens, mm-hmm. and then you go to jail. Mm-hmm. Or in this case, we don't know what's going to happen. We just know mm-hmm. it's another curse. Yeah. That everybody just assumes is going to be worse. Mm-hmm. Turns out they're probably right. Yeah. <laughs> While this is going on, Callisto, the childhood buddy of Tomas. It's really feeling bad about this because yeah. he's he lives in the village and he he knows what mm-hmm. is going on, but mm-hmm. he he he's he's not feeling it. He doesn't right. want yeah. this to go. Right. He doesn't want this to happen. He thinks that this mm-hmm. may be crazy. Mm-hmm. He thinks it's maybe bad shit, and he mm-hmm. just can't go with the idea of this happening. So he locates a secret way into the labyrinth and pulls Tomas and uh, Mario out, leaving the werewolf behind. Mm-hmm. Now it's at this point we should stress that. This is a movie that is taking the the werewolf aspect of things deadly seriously. Mm-hmm. This is this is scary stuff. The werewolf looks great. It's yeah. pr- it's all it's practical. Yes, it's all, it's practical all real. Effects. Yeah, all real effects. So. Now there are a few CGI yeah. Yeah. Uh, additions later yeah. in the film when some of the action starts to take place. Yeah, ones that make sense where you would need that. Yeah. yeah. Well, th- there's that that moment when the the, the one of the wolves is loping after a, a car mm-hmm. chasing it and uh, they, they they do it that way to get that kind of wolf-like motion mm-hmm. out of it. Mm-hmm. Which Kind of like what they did with the Wolfman uh, yeah. that came out a few years ago where they just use it for things like that you know yep. that you would need it for. Now this group of three plus Vito let's mm-hmm. not, let's not let's leave not out the fact Vito. that Vito is part of this as well uh-huh. uh, takes shelter in Callisto's home and he goes on to explain the village is seeking to end the curse and that they're going to try to feed Marino to it, and they have to do it tonight. 
and they're trying to avoid the larger curse because no one really knows what the larger yeah, curse is. No See, they, they were very That's, clear yeah, about yeah. what the early curse The curse was, you know, mm-hmm. this dude's a werewolf. Mm-hmm. So we have a 100-year-old werewolf that's been terrorizing this place mm. for a century, and this is their one night to get rid of it. Furthermore, the villagers have blocked the ways out of the town and disabled Tomas's car. So Tomas, Tomas can't think of anything else to do. He tries to get hold of his grandmother. Mm-hmm. or not his, It's not his, his aunt. aunt. Yeah, it's his aunt, aunt. Yeah. Uh, for help. But once again, cell phone reception in this place is crappy. Mm-hmm. And he, he tries. They keep trying to find a way. Like yeah. if there's some local place that they can stand where they get just, you know, they just get a little bit of reception and they're trying. And it's a very comedic. Yeah. It's actually very funny. When yeah. He's, he's like standing up on furniture and it's like the higher he gets yeah. inside the room, it's like, oh, he connects. And then but he can't stay up there long enough. Well, under suspicion from the village and in light of gruesome deaths having happened the night before, because they make it through that night mm-hmm. without the uh, villagers finding them. Uh, they have to hide, which yeah. is that we're we're skipping over details, and yeah, one of the sure. reasons that we're skipping over some of these details is that they're a joy to discover when you watch the film, right? Yeah, because some of the comedic touches in this mm-hmm. are an they're 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 wonderful in that some of them are broad and some of them are subtle, mm-hmm. and some of them grow out of the characters that are already established. The film is already mm-hmm. very smartly and very succinctly created these characters and their easily identifiable types and then the movie just continues to spend time giving more detail mm-hmm. to them mm-hmm. as people so that they really do seem like realistic characters yeah. which is yeah. which is great which yeah. is why so much of the humor grows directly out of their interactions and reactions yeah and it's 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 my favorite kind of humor mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. don't get me wrong I love the Three Stooges. Sure, everybody loves a good slapstick. I, yeah, I love I love Looney Tunes. Mm-hmm. But when something can be incredibly funny because of the way characters uh, interact with each other, that's what mm-hmm. I find most amusing. Mm-hmm. Because that's what I find most most uh, realistic, and therefore that much more relatable. Yeah. The the moments when characters are just having conversations and it becomes funnier and funnier mm-hmm. are, are wonderful. Mm-hmm. Not, mm-hmm. you know, I, 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 I mm-hmm. long ago got over my sense of the uh, idea of some strange, uh, <laughs> some, some strange mistaken identity somehow being riotously funny mm-hmm. because it's like, well, why didn't anybody just say somebody's name at some point? Yeah. Why didn't somebody yeah. identify themselves <laughs> yeah. or, you yeah. know, this, 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 you know, like mistaken identity or, yeah. or these, these large, broad, mm-hmm. obvious comedic things. Yeah. It's like, it, it still can be made funny, yeah. but it's harder <laughs> to make that funny than it is to, but then again, comedy is always hard. I feel mm. like, I feel like every, everyone kind of knows this, you know, dying, yeah. dying yeah. is easy. Oh. Comedy is hard. Mm, but yeah. this, this, the comedy in this film seems so effortless. That's yeah. one of the best things about it. Does. This. It was, it is just very smart, very well written, and and uh, and timing is so well. You know, yes. the comic timing is great. Some of the some of the gags, you know, that are there are just you know, work uh, half the way they work because of the timing. Uh, so, and I do wonder if these uh, these three actors, most especially, uh, are. I wonder if they knew each other beforehand, or if they had a lot of lead time to be able yeah. to rehearse. Yeah, I, I I do wonder what the process was because. Uh, there, it it, it was it was very easy as soon as you realize as soon as I realized that mm-hmm. we've got three characters on screen of very different types mm-hmm. who 
are going to be like our core unit going through the majority of this story together, there was that part of me that was like, are we going to get, you know, is one of them going to be Mo? Yeah. <laughs> is one of them going to be Larry? What, yeah. what do we, you yeah. know, is, is, you know, is Callisto going to mm. be Curly? Mm. Is that what this is going to turn into? Is it, <laughs> but, but that's not what happens. Yeah. Well, one of the, some of the writing I like the best, uh, or just the character things I like the best are actually just the kind of history between Callisto and uh, and and Tomas. Tomas yeah. That there's kind of like that you know they're 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 friends and they're they're trying to help each other through this, but there's definitely some like it's kind of a weird mix of hostility, affection, yeah. resentment, you know, between the two of them because yes. Callisto really feels that Tomas totally dumped him and left him in that village and, and forgot about him. Right. So even when Thomas is Tomas is back and he's trying to help him through this, you know, there's some reluctance or there's some kind of you can definitely tell the real resentment towards him on the part that it's very it's all played very well. I mean it's yeah. it's, it's, it's there, all blends still, very well. And there it, is yeah. still a lot of affection that they mm. have that he yeah. has for him, but at the mm. same time he does want to he does want to like make his point y- yeah, exactly. about you yeah. you yeah, you just fucking you're, left. Yeah, you know, yeah. and he's yeah, you're kind he's, of a jerk, basically. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're kind of an asshole. And yeah, now you're, you're here, and you really you, you seem to have, you know, kind of become even a little bit more of an asshole because yeah. you think you're a writer now. Yeah. And he, and he, I love that mo- moment yeah. when he did when he tells him he, he, re- he read his book, and yeah. you know, Tomas yeah. is a little surprised. Yeah, and uh, he has some. <laughs> He has some yeah. actual criticisms yeah. of the book <laughs> yeah. that are cogent criticisms. They're not just off the cuff things, yeah. and they're not silly or ridiculous mm. comments on 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 his on his on his book. And it's just <laughs> you, you see at first, Tomas is shocked. Yeah, right. By the fact that this is you know some incisive criticism mm. of his book, yeah. and then really hurt. Yeah, there's any criticism of it at all? Are you what are you, you asshole? <laughs> It's it, like I say. It's yeah. things like that that yeah. play very effectively. This is the yeah. kind of humor I love, mm. and these actors do a good job. Like I say, I wonder if these guys worked together before this, or if they mm. had a lot of rehearsal time, or if they're just you know good comedic actors. And, yeah, you know they didn't need any of that to be able to pull this kind of stuff off. But then again, I would say that to a degree, mm. they seem to be working with. I don't. I don't think this stuff was improvised at all. This all seems to have been. Part of these, part of the script. So maybe it's just the fact that you're working with good material. Well, I know the actor that plays Tomas looked like he was actually in a Spanish version of Saturday Night Live. Uh, was one of the things that he did. Ah. They had a Spanish version of that, and then the guy um, Carlos Arisas, who plays Callisto, who which really is my favorite uh, performance in the film. Um, he's had he's actually has quite a lot of credits on his uh, resume. There, he's 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 apparently had a pretty he's extensive. A yeah, hey, uh, cool. Very good to know. Well. Um, <laughs> Well, under suspicion from the village, and in light of the gruesome deaths, uh, Callisto is sent down to the labyrinth <laughs> to kill the werewolf as the curse is presumed to have remained in effect. So the village forces Callisto. They can't find uh, Tomas and uh, Mario because they've hidden themselves well enough. But they, the village forces Callisto uh, down into the labyrinth to try to kill the werewolf himself. And instead of the werewolf, he finds a young boy. Mm-hmm. Who he then sneaks out of the labyrinth and takes back to his home. Very quickly, the three of them put their heads together and realize mm-hmm. this kid is the werewolf. Yeah, this is the ten-year-old yeah. kid, mm-hmm. the hundred and ten-year-old kid mm-hmm. who was the werewolf. So, if the curse is over, the kid's no longer the werewolf. Well, are is is I mean, is it done? Did something mm-hmm. happen? Are we are we mm-hmm. finished with this crap? Is this mm-hmm. is this the end of this? Mm-hmm. The one thing that they all realize is that they don't want to wait to find out 
if mm. that guess is true by letting mm. the, the sun go down and the moon rise again mm. and this kid <laughs> maybe turn into the werewolf again. That would be mm. bad. <laughs> so they put their heads together and they come up with the idea that maybe the kid does need to eat Tomas, mm. which does not make Tomas feel like great. But then they think, well, wait, 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 wait. Maybe he doesn't need to eat all of you. Yeah. He maybe maybe just needs to fulfill the you know the whole mm-hmm. thing by just eating like part of you. <laughs> this also does yeah. not go over well with Tomas, <laughs> right? <laughs> but his dear friends think that there's some value to this thought yeah. process, right? <laughs> and um, so they hold him down and cut off one of his pinky fingers. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, I didn't think it, I didn't think it was going to happen until they did it. I thought you know, I was like, either. that's quite a. You're just thinking like you know, yeah, this is like they're really meaning, but something's going to happen to dissuade or something's going to happen to keep doing it. You really don't think they're going to, and but they do. They I mean, totally chop his finger off. So <laughs> he's, he's so pissed at them, yeah. but he can't fault. Yeah, the logic of yeah, what, they're, what saying, they're saying, which right. is this might keep you alive. Yeah, yeah. And what I love is that they, they've got to entice the kid to eat his finger. And so they realize, well, yeah. we should probably cook it up. Yeah, 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 that's right. Let's just, so, they, so they just cut a shot of the skillet. So it was they, like yeah, so just pushing kicking, this finger around, finger the, around skillet. the skillet and cooking it up with garlic. I yeah, love, yeah. love it when Callisto crushes the garlic yeah. on it and yeah. tried to add flavor. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. Oh, funny. Oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's amazing. Well, so they feed the finger. They go to feed the finger. Should we even give this? Yeah, you know, let's let's. I feel like we should kind of skip over. Yeah, let's skip over some of the details here. Yeah, but, yeah, because it goes, it goes more. It gets, it, we'll just say it gets compounded and funnier as it goes on, and we'll just kind of maybe leave that sequence yeah, for you to yeah, discover. Yeah. You know what? And uh, uh, let's just say that sundown comes. <laughs> the the whole group of them decide that they're going to need to try to find a way to get out of town, or the rest of the village is going to try to try is, is going to you know, eventually find them. And uh, they're caught as they're mm. trying to leave town mm. by um, uh, Avaristo uh, and the the entire mob of the village, who are, by the way, carrying yeah. pitchforks. Pitchforks, like all villagers yeah. do. Pitchforks, guns, all sorts. Of, yeah, yeah, well, there are guns. Yeah, there <laughs> yeah. are guns too. So it's 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 nice to see. It's nice to see an old style yeah. <laughs> village mob. Coming mm. to kill the monster, mm. which is right now, unfortunately, a 10-year-old boy. Well, the, the group uh, tries to get out of town, but uh, it doesn't go well. Um, they're caught by the, the mob. The The confrontation escalates. Mm-hmm. The The sun sets, and the, uh, the second curse takes effect. And we now find out what the second curse was. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems that uh, getting... They may, they may have solved their single werewolf problem. <laughs> yeah. By having, by having the kid eat part of Tomas, mm. that hasn't stopped the second curse from kicking into gear because they didn't do it in time. Yeah, yeah. So unfortunately, <laughs> the second curse kicks into gear, and everybody else in the village turns into a werewolf. Yeah. So now we're in howling territory. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, and, and that's what we were talking about earlier yeah. about all the homages to various and sundry mm. werewolf films throughout, uh, you know, screen mm. history. Yeah, is. There are subtle nods, and then there are some overt nods. And this mm-hmm. one's yeah. kind of overt, because yeah. when you have an entire village full of werewolves, hello, Joe Dante. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, um, at this point, we have an entire village of werewolves, and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. 
I will say that it's fun when the cops do show up. Yes, yes. Introducing uh, another really great character. I yeah, know. I, you know. That, the, yeah. So we get a couple of cops that show up. Uh, we, and some surprising turns take place yes, with the cops. Absolutely. Yeah. Turns out that uh, luckily nobody needs silver to kill these things. They seem to go down pretty, pretty hard easy, with yeah, a shotgun just a good blast. shotgun to the yeah. face. Yeah. It pretty, takes, them, takes them down pretty quick. So. <laughs> you blow a big hole in a werewolf's head and it seems to die. Yeah. So that's good to know. <laughs> No matter how supernatural this may be, we don't mm. need silver, thank God. <laughs> and I think, really, we should probably draw it to a halt there. We'll yeah, say, I don't want to say too much more from where it goes from there. Let's just say the hunt is, the chase is on, you know. Yeah. We know our, yeah. our heroes are, and we're, you know, we know who's after them, and and uh, and I love what the introduction of the, the introduction of the kid, you know, is great, because he's also, the whole time, in some part of your mind, you're wondering, you know, he's a great... Um, Better potential because you're wondering when well, is he. Checking, you're you know, wondering when way, is he going to change? He, in yeah. a way, he's Chekhov's gun. Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. Not not really because yeah, he wasn't he wasn't introduced. Well, he, no, actually, he kind of was he introduced does. in the first act in the prelude. But at the same time, you're like, okay, well, yeah, he was the werewolf, right? Yeah, yeah. And he's so, not now. But, well, you, is he going to at, revert? At the, like, where at the worst possible moment is he going to change? You know, yeah. and so we won't say whether he does or not. But it's a great thing to just sort of have him always there as part of you're in the back of your mind, like, okay. What's going on with the kid? You know, yeah, what's going to happen yeah. with the kid while all this other stuff is going on? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I guess it, uh, you could probably tell mm-hmm. uh, before we get into a discussion of some of the other things about the film that I really enjoy. I, I just want to say that, yes, of course, we mm-hmm. both liked this yeah, film quite a bit. very much so. I really, really, really enjoyed mm-hmm. this. This mm-hmm. was this actually exceeded my expectations. And I'd been, I'd been led to believe that this was a pretty darn good mm-hmm. film. And I have to say that, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, Game of Werewolves, uh, Attack of the Werewolves, mm. <laughs> Lo- Lo- Lobos, Lobos of Darga, da- Lobos yeah. de Arga, whichever title you yeah. see it under, this is a fun movie. It is. It I is. really enjoyed this. It it plays its humor effectively. Mm-hmm. It plays the monsters straight. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the nothing but good characters throughout it. Yeah, I want to mention this just sequence that um, after the. The first werewolf gets loose. The main werewolf gets loose. You know, from the from his where he's imprisoned. Um, there's a really really effective murders or slaughter sequence there where he kills a, a man and woman who run the local oh, inn pub. there, yeah, yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. a pub. And except for some of the dialogue interplay between the husband and wife, it could be a scene right out of a serious. A horror movie because I mean, it's totally played straight and it's actually really effectively done. Really, and really nice sequence. I mean, and very violent. And there is there is uh, there's some pretty effective uh, there's some pretty effective gory violence in mm-hmm, the film. Mm-hmm. They don't shirk on that because they want they want to be able to do that thing that a good horror comedy should, which is be able to um, remind you occasionally. No, no, no. We're dealing with monsters here. <laughs> yeah, we, we're going to keep you. They, they, they want to keep you off balance. So that you're not mm-hmm. sure whether you're gonna, you know, something amusing or something scary is gonna happen, mm-hmm. and occasionally something that just makes you go, "Oh my god, mm-hmm. <laughs> what are we, mm-hmm. what are mm-hmm. we eating? We're, we're eating human fingers now." Yeah. <laughs> and the werewolves are really effectively done. They're fun. They, yeah. they, and I love just the, uh, you know, occasionally one of them people are changing. You know, you see the old uh, pumping air bladders under the makeup. Yeah. Just very nostalgic. Like, oh great, we're back in Rob Bottin and and you know and in Rick Baker territory here and. I know. Uh, I think I read somewhere that uh, most of the a big, large part of their budget went into hair from China that they had to, you know, order hair, hair imported from from China to use to cover all these werewolves. And that's the that's the thing well, is they, they there's a bunch of them. of them. I mean, they do. I mean, they're you know, there's it's not cheating by just making a couple and showing them in a whole bunch of different. No. There's a big crowd of these 
of these werewolves. Yeah, I mean, there are, I mean, there are a huge number of shots where mm-hmm. you've got, you know, more than two dozen werewolves running around. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you can just keep pumping, pumping bullets into them all day long you want, but it doesn't matter because there's just too mm-hmm. many of them. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about um, the, the the theme. Some of the themes in this that I that I I love are there, mm-hmm. and that aren't aren't necessary for you to enjoy this film because this is a really entertaining, fun mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. Um, but I do love the fact that it's a it's a Spanish werewolf film mm-hmm. that once again has at its core the theme that almost always centers a Paul Nashy werewolf film, which is the interaction and the budding up against each other of the old and the new. Yeah, yeah. This could not be. They could. They couldn't have done it. They couldn't have made yeah. it more plain. Yeah. If they had stood up and yelled it. Yeah. Because everything about the movie, from the prelude that takes place a hundred years in the past, mm-hmm. to modern people going to an old village, a village that looks like you could, you know, you mm. could, you could film, you could film mm. a movie that takes place in the late 1800s in this village and yeah. it would look just right. Yeah. The, 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 the technology that, that deserts them yeah. is no help to them. You know, their right. modern technology, they can't get them out of that situation. So you have this clash of the old mm. and the new, which was such a reoccurring theme within Paul oh, Nash's, yeah. uh, yeah. werewolf films and some of his other horror films as well. Mm-hmm. And it's played very effectively and it really is just, it's 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 as if that were the uh, kernel from which the story grew. Mm-hmm. Now that's not true. It's just that that's how, you know that's just how effective that type of story is mm-hmm. because you have a hundred year old curse and you have modern people who now have to deal with it. Yeah, it's it's I really love the fact that you know once again Spanish Spanish werewolf film mm-hmm. and that theme seems to continue to be a thread that runs through them all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or a lot of them. Yeah. Another thing I love about it is the setting. Yeah. Filmed on this amazing location out in the middle of Gal- Galatia. It's a beautiful place. It mm-hmm. really does look like you could have very easily filmed this movie as a period piece. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's wonderful to see places like this because, and we've talked about this for years and years now, Troy. One of the great things to us as mm-hmm. Americans about European made horror films mm-hmm. is how easy it is for them to find places that are hundreds of years old still standing look like they you know you, you walk right up to them and suddenly you're 100 to 150 to 200 years in the past mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a thing we don't have here in the states we are you know we're, it's it's the old it's the old poetic license line about america being a land without ruins Spain very much mm-hmm. still has these places, and that to me, that's so much. First of all, that's mm-hmm. <laughs> how much production yeah. value do you get out right, of that? Right, for right, right. Nothing. <laughs> right. It's wonderful, and it's just it looks beautiful. I love that they. The, I don't know if they aimed to film it at the time of year that they did, but that mm-hmm. adds to it as well. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's it's beautiful looking. The it locations is. are wonderful, and there's everything about it. I also mm-hmm. love that it, how well the film is photographed. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I do too. I do too. I want to talk about something about the story that I think is um, really fascinated me, amazed me that the filmmakers would have the courage to do this, and I think it, it may, or or you could say the foolhardiness to do this, because I'm wondering if it's something that ultimately worked against them. But the fact that there is not, not only is there not a central romance in this film or a love interest oh, yeah. in this film, there's also not any conventionally attractive 
female characters in the entire film. No, no, there are which, no there are no female characters in the movie that are not uh, older women. I right. Mean, as in, in most cases, much older women. And within the story, okay, it makes logical sense because they established pretty early on that the villagers have sent away or all their young people, you know, yeah, and trying and to protect them, trying to protect them. But ninety nine point nine percent of people making, writing, or directing this film would have found a way to have worked in at least one attractive female character. It's right. just common filmmaking sense. Now, we of course on our Nashi cast, we love our love our female female <laughs> love our female characters, but I have to I had to give them credit for for the audacity, yes. for the boldness, the belief in the story they were trying to tell to pull to do that and pull it off, but it also makes me wonder if that hurt in some way the marketing of the film. Oh, that's a that's a fine point. And see, two things I think. May, I'm sorry, I didn't interrupt. I was going to say oh, two two things that may I think that I may think may have hurt this film. One is that. Okay. Well, for, you know, three things I guess really because a lot of it may just be that even though we know there's been this Billy boom of horror in, in you know Spanish horror films, you know they've they've kind of gone a resurgence. I don't know that the love of classic monsters has come along with that, and so the fact that it's a werewolf film may have hurt it. The fact oh, yeah. that it doesn't have. You know, female like a love story, a center central romance, female characters, and also the fact that it's not a that is not an exaggerated comedy. Um, you know, I just I'd like to know what the what the trend now in comedy is in in Spain. We'll have to ask Elena, who does the Spanish Fear site. You know, uh, maybe because I know that when we did uh, Mucha Sangre, which was hard getting through for both of us, yeah. you know, that was that was that was the kind of that was the kind of sophomoric exaggerated humor that we find pretty tedious and we weren't really crazy about that film. But I know Elena said that she was not either. Um, but I just wonder if that type of comedy, uh, just as the really, a lot of the really lowbrow and stupid, you know, comedies here in America are still tend to be some of those popular. Yeah. Could that be still the case in Spain? I mean, could it be the fact that Pete, the humor in it was just did not appeal enough uh, to the, to the home country there, to the general moviegoers there? I, I do wonder about um, um, how it's, how it's, comedic elements were perceived in Spain mm -hmm. because yeah, they appeal to us, mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, I know that we're only seeing an incredibly small fraction of, Oh yeah, of the, course. The, the, the Spanish comedy genre. Yeah. I mean, good yeah. Lord. I mean, what have we, we've seen, we're less seen than five, Oh God. And yeah, I mean, that, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, we're seeing a very small, very, you know, self-selected slice, but everything we've ever seen up till this, was primarily nothing but very very broad things. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, that's not that's in my own personal viewing. That's not always been true. I I do remember the the uh, at least well no at least two Spanish uh, uh, comedies, both of them dark comedies mm -hmm. from uh, the late nineties that uh, I really enjoyed mm -hmm. that were were funny without being overly ridiculous. Yeah. But uh, I do wonder. I don't, I don't know how well those films. I don't know how yeah. well those films did financially. Right. So I don't know if those were hits in Spain mm -hmm. or not. And I do wonder if the trend, the current trend, is you know over the top, ridiculous, sophomoric humor, or if it's something more along the lines of uh, you know a split and there are various mm -hmm. types and some some are hits and some mm -hmm. aren't, and you can't really nail it down to it being a certain type of humor mm -hmm. that is always a hit or not. I don't know. Well, I would you know my my instincts would be I would say if I had to guess I would say probably the fact that it's about werewolves and not about something like zombies or a slasher or something yeah. hurt it. Plus the fact that it doesn't have any really uh, 
especially attractive characters as far as really marketably attractive characters in it yeah is probably also i think uh, maybe was a blow against it that would just be my guess now the i was i also was rather impressed with the fact that there are no there are no you know sexy female characters right. in the movie yeah but to be honest until you just mentioned it, i never realized you yeah, know really there aren't any sexy male characters in this no, movie no not really or, no, you know, no no yeah these 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 guys are these guys were obviously hired for mm. their, you know, for their abilities, yeah, and not for the fact that they're going to look really good on a poster, yeah. So exactly. you're right. I, yeah. I had not thought down that. Sorry, my brain doesn't work in that way. <laughs> but you're just it, not as shallow as me, is what you're saying. You know? it's, it's, <laughs> that's what I'll say. I'm the one that's like, man, if I ain't somebody hot in that film, I just now forget. I can't. I, I can't. Just, I'm not, not I can't. Not leave, man. I can't even bother. <laughs> it just it still it just reminds me of one of the moments. One of the moments when I realized. I mean, I, I this was one of the moments. God, this was so long ago. Remember the film um, Born on the Fourth of July? It's the moment where yeah, it's the film where uh, for the first time Tom Cruise actually tries and is actually trying to make a film where he has you know where, where he's actually required to act. Oh yeah, yeah. He's playing a real person, and I will never forget at the time that film came out. I had gone to see the movie and had been rather impressed by it. It's a good mm-hmm. film, and um, the <laughs> I overheard mm-hmm. uh, some some women talking about the film. And we're really disappointed in it because Tom Cruise did not look handsome in the movie. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, that yeah. was their that oh, was yeah. the, the, mm. that was their main complaint. And I will never forget overhearing that conversation yeah, and going, just... "Oh my fucking god!" Uh, yeah, yeah, holy yeah. shit! Mm-hmm. And thinking they 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 mm. they were so shallow that they were yeah. the, they were the depth of the edge of a penny. <laughs> like, oh yeah. But yes, it is sad. It uh, is sad. I will. I will say that it wasn't until after watching this film all the way through one time mm-hmm. that somebody said something along the line. We were we were watching it as a group, and mm-hmm. somebody said, "You know, there aren't any. Mm-hmm. There really aren't any women characters. There's there's some older women characters mm-hmm. that are in the film, yeah. but there's not. You know, like if this were rewritten or remade mm-hmm. in the states." Tomas's ex-girlfriend would show up for some reason. Yes. Or, well, that's even better than, because I was saying, like, his agent would end up being a girl, you know, that would show up or something. That Maybe. Would be, but but Maybe. yours is even more likely that his ex-girlfriend would show up, yeah. you know, so, yeah. Yeah. Maybe she would show up, you know, they would write it, she shows up because she she wants to, you know, reclaim her dog Vito, and yeah. that's, that would be why she's there. Or just some random Swedish bikini team would just happen to end up, like, <laughs> taking the wrong road and ending up in the in the, in the the village by mistake or something. I think, I think I like your idea. Yeah, I do, man. I want to see that. Hey, <laughs> that's, a re, that's the remake I'm waiting now, for. Now I'm just now picturing, yeah, now I'm yeah. just picturing the, the, the ridiculous first section of Zombie Lake, if you've ever seen that. <laughs> yes, yes, oh, God, was yeah. It the, was it the female soccer team? Yeah, let's go oh swim in this random pond in this little village here now because we're a soccer team. That's what we do. That's, yeah. that's, that's the whole point of the scene. Why not? <laughs> Pile out of that VW van and what the fuck. <sighs> well, nevertheless, uh, folks, I think both Troy and I, I mean, I, I, I think mm. I gave it a, I gave it eight out of ten. I think it's great. Yeah, it's yeah. No, it's actually eight was what I was going to give it to. So that was, uh, I, I, do, I do have one filmmaking complaint about the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's... it's uh, I would call it, it. I would call it a very minor thing, but it mm-hmm. is something that I feel pretty strongly about. I do feel that, that um, there could have been some judicious editing. Yeah. And, yeah. And, not, and here's the thing: when I say that, I'm not saying that I think that there's a single scene in the movie that needs to be removed. No. Right. But I do feel that a firmer hand on the editing tiller needed to be in place because there are a lot of sequences where the scene is too long and it's that individual specific shots are lingered on mm. for 
two or maybe yeah. three seconds too long. I can see and that. And where it really started to tell for me and where it really clicked in and I started to notice mm-hmm. it for the rest of the film as well is um, uh, the scene where the uh, the uh, husband and wife who own the pub are, mm-hmm. uh, are attacked and killed. Yeah. That in that sequence is like I could honestly that, that I could mm. see where they needed to trim mm. just a few shots, mm. just trim yeah. down the ends of certain shots. Yeah, like in three separate shots that needed to be mm. trimmed down mm. just to make it because they're 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 showing you him, you know, going mm. to going to this place and then mm. going here and yeah. then down the stairs. Yeah, and then, right. And it's like trim, trim. We need to just trim, this up, trim, 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 yeah. trim. And I think that probably the the trimming I'm talking about over the course of the entire run of the film would probably take out you know at most two minutes of runtime, mm-hmm. and it wouldn't change any of the scenes. It would just move things along that are obvious because there's a certain point in some of these scenes where it's like, okay, yes, yes, we get, yeah, we mm-hmm. visually we've gotten that. You need to go to your next shot. Yeah, and it's and like I say, it's a minor complaint mm-hmm. because I think it's a great film, mm-hmm. but it still is there, and it is one of those yeah. things that uh, once I noticed it, I started. Mm-hmm. I, I noticed it for the rest of the movie. There are a few shots here mm-hmm. and there that need to be just a little bit shorter. Yeah, and and again, you know, being that this is still a relatively new director, you know, you can say like, yeah, that's why you want to see him make more stuff because you know you can already see, but you can feel that if he gets to do further work, it'd be even yes. more refined and even you know we'd like to see him. Grow as an artist. Oh, I certainly hope this this isn't going to turn out to be his only genre feature. That's for sure. I think he's I think he's very good, and I would love to see more work from the guy. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, we liked it, folks. We liked it. We liked it, and if you can find a copy of it, please seek it out. Oh, plus one more thing I'll say about this is it's not just anywhere you're going to see a werewolf with a with a priest collar and on. So, and it's that's and it's great because we talked about this when we were watching the film. You you know, and you were talking about the. uh, we love the, you know, obviously you can, you know, if you're a Spanish filmmaker, you just can never resist a little swipe at the church whenever you get a chance at the Catholic this church. This is true, yeah. But yeah. it's also a very clever way of, they want you to know which werewolf is, is once the villagers is all uncle, turn, yeah. is his uncle. So he gets to wear the, you know, he gets to wear the priest right. collar for a while, which is a great visual, but. <laughs> oh, and by the way, this film has my current favorite, most impressive fake suicide. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was that is great. really yeah. shocked by that. Yeah, that we was really impressive. Yeah. We won't give away the details, but yeah. there is a fake yeah. suicide yeah. that's actually very well very well handled. So, yeah. But you know what? I'll tell you right now, by yeah. the way, if anybody wanted to make a T-shirt of uh, just Vito with oh, his name. Yeah, Vito. I'd be, wear, I'd be totally... wearing that T-shirt because that dog is awesome. <laughs> that dog is, yes, he is. I guess he was a Jack, is Jack Russell, is that what it is? Or something? Oh, I saw him referred to as Jack Russell, but I didn't really think that's what he was. But uh, maybe, I don't know if that's true I or not. I can't remember. But anyway, he's a, uh, yeah, yeah. He's a v- great dog. Yeah, Vito, yeah, really. we want to see more more films, more Vito. More <laughs> film, that's all right. <laughs> 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 uh, lo, what, lo, Lobo, Lobos uh, de Arga 2, yeah. Vito's Vito, Revenge. Vito's Revenge, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right folks well, we'll take another break here and then uh, come back we've got some uh, feedback to deal with and then uh, we'll let you go the following is a message from the american podcast council we need your help podcastophobia strikes four out of five americans every day and chances are that someone you love or could love given time is currently suffering from this devastating affliction but it doesn't have to be that way For zero dollars a day, you can help. Please, make some time today to let just one person know about a favorite podcast of yours. It can be this one, but it doesn't have to be. But it probably should be, but seriously, no pressure. And show them where to find it and how to download, play, and subscribe to it. 
and tell us what you recommended. Use the hashtag tripod. That's T-R-Y pod. Thank you for speaking out. And thank you for listening. Hello, Christopher. What insanity are you up to today? Oh, hey, Lydia. I'm downloading some movies. What? People are always telling me that's illegal. Uh Uh-uh, not these. They're all public domain. Oh, look, Rescue from Gilligan's Island. Let me see what you're doing. Oh, you're at archive.org. Well, they have thousands of films, TV shows, commercials, radio shows, and books available. Yeah, but there are so many. I wish there was a podcast or something that would discuss these things. You know, give us an idea of what's worth the time. Um, Christopher, there is. We do one. Oh, that's right. We host Orphan Entertainment. Once a month, we pick something and review and discuss it. That sure is nice of us. <laughs> sure. Why don't you click over to Orphan Entertainment and remind yourself a little more about the show. Oh, will do. Let's see, that's at orphanentertainment.com. And yeah, it looks like we're available on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Oh, hey, can we review the Gilligan's Island movie someday? Mm-hmm. We'll see, Christopher. We'll see. Take a look inside the mailbag, see what we've got there. Um, sometimes, I have to admit, people write to us about certain specific things, and uh, we'll reply back to them, and we don't necessarily... Uh, well, mm. time goes by, and we just yeah. don't mm. read them out on on, on, mm-hmm. on, the, on the show. And for that, we apologize if you're, if you're waiting for us to uh, read out something that you wrote to us about a year ago. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know that it's going to happen, but we're trying to get better than that. See, yes. we're 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 trying to be better about this. Plus, you know, it's it's October season. It's the Halloween time. We're trying to be, you know, um, good stewards of the the horror genre. Good uh, uh, podcasters. That's the word. Yeah, right. We're podcasters, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> been I think doing this yeah, long I enough. I guess we qualify as podcasters. <laughs> okay, we have two pieces of feedback today. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them written, which Troy will read out, and mm-hmm. then we've got uh, we've actually got a voicemail. So yeah. this should be cool. Oh, <clears throat> uh, what do we got, Troy? Okay, so this is from Lee. Lee says, "Hello, guys. Longtime Nashi fan, short time Nashi cast fan." Something that struck me, we live in a time where crowdfunding is commonplace, so why not start something like a Kickstarter to get money to buy the rights for the rights from the rights holders for Howl of the Devil? Because, you know, we've talked about before that apparently there's a holdup with, uh, who, uh, I think, uh, we've, Sergio, I think, has mentioned before, some, uh, I think that, yeah. that, that Sergio Molina, that, uh, that the, whoever holds the rights to Howl of the Devil, they've not, you know, been able to get those released. It's, it's, a, it's a good idea, I have to admit, but I think that, the the problem I don't necessarily think is money. Well, he does mention another problem here. So, what do you what, what were you going to say? Well, maybe I, you anticipate. I, I'm the just same. trying to remember what I've uh, read or learned in the past that may be slipping through the cracks of my Swiss cheese brain here lately. But it well, seems we'll see. Oh, go look on what he says, and maybe it's the same thing. He says, "Shout Factory must think Nashi is a viable property to release not one but two film collections. So, I'm sure they'd be interested in publishing it." Well, you would hope. However, we don't really know at this point how those two collections have performed. Yeah, uh, we don't know how well they've sold. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hopefully, he's right. Um, 
He says, however, that's what this email was going to be about, but I, uh, that's what this email was going to be about, but I happened to buy the film through nefarious methods and actually watched it. Uh, he says, well, the first 15 minutes before I had to go to work. And I've spotted a major problem, a big green problem with nuts in its neck. Nashi portrays the Frankenstein monster, not a generic monster, but the copyrighted Universal Jack Pierce makeup. Universal is very protective about this property and notoriously litigious, even yeah. sending Hammer a warning letter even before their movie started production. Might this he says, might the problem be this? Perhaps the producers need extra money to get clearance from Universal? The alternative would be removing the monster, which is going to please no one. He says, I'm up to episode 12 and greatly enjoy them, enjoying them. Thank you both very much, Lee. Oh, well, um, thank you. I'm glad you're enjoying the show. And if you're, if you, if you started at the beginning and are working your way forward, Mm -hmm. uh, I apologize. (laughs) Yes, it does. It it gets better. It gets better (laughs) in some ways. And in some ways it gets worse. Yes. That's just, if if the only time you have to watch is 15 minutes before you go to work, it's going to take you a long time to get through some of those later episodes. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So, but he's talking about the movie though. I'm not talking about the movie. I'm talking about our podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm apologizing for the podcast. (laughs) I'm not apologizing for the devil, which is a film that I think is actually pretty dark. Oh no, no, no. Yeah. You're right. He was talking about the podcast. Not the movie. No, the movie's good. I will admit I've never, I never thought about that. I've never thought about Mm -mm. that. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know how much of a problem that would be, but it be. could be because they are, they said that that's could be a problem. If you tried to release that under a commercial video label, I don't know if you could get in prom, maybe in trouble for using that, that particular makeup. See, I can't, in my, I can't remember how lo- he plays a lot of, yeah. in, in these dream sequences, these imaginative mm-hmm. sequences, Nashi mm-hmm. actually is in the makeup of a lot of different monster characters, including characters like Fu Manchu and, mm-hmm. And uh, various other uh, characters of you know the of the genre, I never thought about the fact that yeah that is yeah. a that is really awfully close to the Universal mm-hmm. monster makeup. Mm-hmm. And it's been so long since I've seen it. Now I'm having trouble in my mind picturing exactly how it looked. But uh, he could be right if they're using the if they're using the square top, the bolts on the neck. I mean that might be all it would take enough. to get in some yeah. trouble. Yeah, you're right. I had not thought about that. I'll tell you what we'll do. Mm-hmm. Um. With that particular question in mind, uh, I will shoot an email to. Uh, let's try Elena first. She may know yeah, something, yeah. and then uh, maybe we shoot it to uh, Sergio mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. and see uh, if Mister Molina has any information on that. Because there, my memory of one of the, of, of the problems involved is uh, with, with How the Devil and a, a commercial release of How the Devil is mm-hmm. always centered around. The fact that the people who put up the money for it, um, th- th- there was a problem with the people who financed the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, some kind of rights question that involved the actual production of the film, not so much you mm-hmm. know something that was actually on screen. Yeah. Now, I may be wrong, and mm-hmm. I may be misremembering, or I may just be getting my, my wires crossed, but I'll tell you what, we'll, we will clear that up. Yeah. Because it may not just be that that uh, whoever holds the rights are asking the biggest price. It may be a total question on who has the rights to decide that in the first place. You know, right. there's certainly plenty of films being held up for that reason as well. So most assuredly, so uh, and it may be it may sadly be one of those situations where, uh, and it's not the first time we've ever heard of this. It may be a situation where the people who own the actual rights and could release the film for uh, video release um, have an over 
inflated sense of the value of yeah. what they hold yep. and yep. are asking for way too much cash. But I tell you what, uh, I'll shoot uh, I'll shoot emails to uh, our contacts. Uh, luckily, one of them should have some information on it, and yep. uh, we'll see what they know about the possibilities of there being some way to pry that film loose from. Uh, well, let's mm-hmm. be blunt. Dodgy, mm-hmm. dodgy yeah. sources. Yeah. Um, nothing, awesome. nothing would please me more than oh, having gosh, that film available. Yes, yes, we want to um, see it because it'd be nice to be able to to talk about that film with people and to and really to go back to it and see it in a in a, in a much better looking form. Because as you may or may not know, almost every version of that you're ever going to see is sourced from the one time it was shown on television mm-hmm. in 1988. Yeah. So we'll let everybody know. What we find out, and if we find out anything mm-hmm. uh, relevant, we'll uh, we'll uh, let everybody know in the next episode. Yep. Of course, and at this point, I don't know what the next episode. We know, We've we got to figure out what what, yeah. what what the next episode of I'm assuming Beyond Either, Nashi yeah, is Beyond going to be. Nashi or Nashi Cast, whatever. Yeah, we're not sure what we're doing next on this particular thread of uh, a podcast in there, but uh, yep, we'll come yep. up with something. <laughs> on the bloody pit, you and I have nailed down the '40s Universal Horrors thing. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Over here, I you know it'll. Honestly, it'll probably be another Beyond Nashy. Hmm. It'll, it'll probably be another Beyond Nashy. More than likely. But who the heck knows what it'll be at this point. Right. I don't know. There are a lot of possibilities. We still haven't played around. Mm. We still haven't done Bell from Hell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've got a lot of possibilities. When it comes to Beyond Nashies, there's uh, just uh, Spanish horror in general. There's, there's yeah, We still got a lot, to, a lot we can look at. So Okay. Well, we've got another piece of feedback here. This time, from my podcasting partner, in old blighty, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Adrian Smith. Uh, Adrian and I have done uh, three podcasts together over on the Bloody Pit. It seems like we uh, check in about once a year. Every summer, we sit down. Uh, we've covered uh, an eclectic collection of films. Mm-hmm. Actually, we covered uh, Cannibal Holocaust uh, because uh, we both uh, are. Well, I won't. Can, can we say we're fans of the film? I don't know. Cannibal Holocaust because uh, Adrian. Uh, had had a chance to meet and uh, kind of interview uh, mm-hmm. Umberto Lindsay. Mm-hmm. So we talked about Cannibal Holocaust. And then uh, last year, um, because Adrian has been doing uh, a blog called Bloggeriti about the films of Antonio Margheriti, uh, he wanted he wanted to talk about how uh, Hercules, Prisoner of Evil, although uh, Margheriti signed his name to it, it was actually recorded directed by a different fellow Hmm. and it was at a time when you know italian directors would um uh, lend their name to a a film project Mm -hmm. that but allow another person to direct it so that they could actually get an entire feature under their belt and therefore prove themselves capable of filming you know getting something done get it in the can and so we talked about hercules prince prisoner of evil and then uh, just this summer, just actually uh, about a month ago, we talked about Lady Frankenstein because there's there's been an excellent British Blu-ray release of that film, and it uh, really makes that movie shine a good deal better. So Adrian decided that uh, he had listened to uh, he'd listened to our mm. most recent mm. uh, Nashi Cast episode, and he's uh, he's got a few bones to pick. He took yeah. issue with a couple of things. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, as always with uh, with Adrian, it seems when he calls into a podcast, he's waiting for a train. Hello, uh, Nashicast. I don't even know if you'd really do voicemail, but I really I'm too tired to type, so I'm hoping that you do voicemail. As I thought, I would send you this today. This is Adrian here calling you, currently just outside Brighton, waiting for my train home. Uh, I've enjoyed listening to. I'm a bit behind. 
but I've just finished listening to your Candle for the Devil podcast, a film I've never seen, and now that thanks to your coverage, I don't need to, because um, I know everything that happens, but that's fine. I don't mind that you've spoiled it, because I'm probably never going to watch it, just because I already own a thousand films I haven't seen. Uh, without adding to that just at the moment but I was intrigued uh, a few things that you mentioned that I wanted to pick up on Um, I wanted to defend Inseminoid first of all Um, I obviously uh, you know I've mentioned probably before that I've been working on this book on and off for about a thousand years on Norman J. Warren and uh, as part of that my research for Inseminoid I managed to get an interview with Nick Maley who currently lives in the Caribbean, where he runs a Star Wars museum for uh, mainly for cruise ship tourists. And Nick Maley's mainly famous, he's famous basically because he built Yoda um, and worked on all the Star Wars films and everything. Um, but he has history with Norman and he met, even he met his wife whilst he was working on the special effects for Satan's Slave and she was um, covered in fake blood and he had to get her in the bath and help her wash all the fake blood off and uh, romance blossomed as it would uh, but together they wrote the script they came up with the idea and wrote the I think they wrote the treatment or maybe they wrote the full script I can't remember off the top of my head but anyway they wrote Inseminoid so um, there's a nice Star Wars connection there with Inseminoid um, I've been to the place where they filmed Inseminoid it's shot in Chislehurst Caves which is just near Seven Oaks. Uh, is it Seven Oaks? No, it's not Seven Oaks. Anyway, I can't remember. It's in Kent, Chislehurst Caves. Uh, near Chislehurst, I suppose you would say. Uh, it's quite cool. They're, uh, they're not natural caves. They were dug out. So they're only like 100 years old. They're old mines, basically. Um, but pretty cool to go and wander around those tunnels and imagine... Um, Judy Jason running around um, after Stephanie Beecham with an axe. Uh, yeah, so I like Inseminoid. I know, I know it's terrible. I know, I know that. I'm not stupid. But I do like it anyway. And I think Judy Jason is great. As you mentioned, she's usually playing a victim. So it's nice to uh, see her play a psychopath. Um, interestingly, in the interview with her on the Inseminoid DVD that Anka Bay put out, um, which was an interview shot by Jonathan Jonathan Sothcott. She claims to have had a body double, and that wasn't her lying naked on the table being inseminated by some raw eggs in a perspex tube. Um, that is not, in fact, true. It was her. There were no body doubles in Inseminoid. Uh, so there's a little exclusive uh, for you there. Um, you also mentioned Goodbye Gemini. That's a great film. I do recommend that. Um, with this where she plays Martin Potter's brother and um, weird stuff goes on this kind of incestuous overtones to their relationship and uh, uh, yeah that's a really good film I recommend that's kind of very sort of swinging late 60s early 70s where the the 70s the 60s dream was dying as it hit the 70s 
Um, so that's a well worth uh, that's well worth checking out. Um, but I also was intrigued by the discussion on Colonel for the Devil. It sounds like one of those films where they where uh, I think you mentioned there was an alternative title, and it's probably the f- case I would imagine that the distributor or maybe the um, producer changed the title to cash in on um, the 70s fashion for devil films because there are so many movies in the 70s that were retitled to get the word devil put in the name because everybody, you know, that was the fashion thanks to The Exorcist and The Omen putting the devil in your title was uh, was a surefire way to get better um, box office so I wondered whether that was the case if somebody watching it saw that scene with the candles and the the devil painting and thought haha and stuck it in even though there's not really that much to do with devils in the film so that's a possibility i don't know but i've, I've seen that with other movies uh, around that time that they would just stick the name devil into anything to get it sold um oh you can probably hear a train in the background but don't worry it's not mine uh, last thing I wanted to mention was you talked about uh, sort of influences and connections with Can Off the Devil. Um, but one thing I thought of listening to your description was Arsenic and Old Lace. And I wondered whether Arsenic and Old Lace had been an influence on the plotting. It sounds very similar to sort of spinster sisters who run a boarding house and um, murder their guests and bury them in the basement. I mean, that's the plot of Arsenic Gold Lace. Obviously, in your version, they weren't burying them in the basement so much as pickling them in the basement. But there is still a definite thematic connection there, which I thought was interesting. So anyway, that's just uh, food for thought. Right, I'm going to go now. I hope that you can use this, because I couldn't be bothered to type all of these things out. So, uh, yeah, anyway... Keep up the good work on the Nashi cast. I still have only ever seen one Paul Nashi film in my life, and that's that one where he's um, had a head transplant and he's only in it for about 10 minutes. One day, I'm sure, I will watch another one. But anyway, until next time, bye for now. Okay, well, Adrian, first of all, fuck, man. You need to see some actual oh, Paul Nashi films. Oh, uh, No, please do not let the only uh, experience you have uh, with Paul Nashi in your lifetime be Crimson, a.k.a. the man with the severed head. <laughs> that's that's not even a Paul Nashi film, no, as you no. seem to acknowledge. But still, yeah. you need to at least sit mm. down and watch one of the mm. werewolf films or, or Horror Rises from the Tomb or, for mm. God's sake, something. But having said that, I actually... Uh, it is very flattering that uh, you will listen to our shows, even though you don't actually watch the films. I mean, in a, in a weird, it's it's strange. I'm not sure completely healthy, but uh, mm-hmm. but 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 I will say, you know, that the, and you're not the first person I've heard say that. It's just like, I no, know. I don't really care watching films. I just like listening to you guys, and you know, that that's actually that's actually rather heartwarming. It's it's really quite creepy, sweet. But, uh, no, it is. It's actually really nice. But at the same time, uh, uh, let's let's start top to bottom. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you're not under the delusion that Inseminoid is a good film. <laughs> uh, I will say that it is an enjoyable film to watch, although an incredibly frustrating one. Uh, I have seen a number of Norman J. Warren films, and I have a great fondness for a number of them. As a matter of fact, I would say that there are uh, at least three or four Norman J. Mm-hmm. Warren films that I think are actually good films. I just don't think Inseminoid is one of them. <laughs> and I'm glad that you don't either. But yeah. at the same time... Uh, yeah, uh, I see a future podcast in our, oh, <laughs> in, our I, I in our lives, Adrian. So I think it's going to have to um, happen. 
Yes, in Seminoid. And I hope that book on Norman J. Warren happens. Uh, you did scare me a little bit when you just led, led with it. You've been working a long time on a book after talking about Inseminoid. I thought you meant on a book just on Inseminoid. That was going to be worrisome. <laughs> but the fact that it's on Norman J. Warren it, as a whole is, is a good choice. Although I do hope there is at least one chapter uh, full of Inseminoid Star Wars connections there. All the ones you can find. I'm hoping. <laughs> everyone, everyone that you can locate. <laughs> that's... That's crazy talk. That's craziness. <laughs> I, I noticed he says um, he says Judy Geeson. I believe we pronounced it Geeson through our show, but him, him being British, he'd probably know it. Maybe it is Geeson. If so, I can't remember what I was going yeah. off of was what how, was how she pronounced it in interviews. Yeah. So however I pronounced it, she in did the say episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how it's supposed to be pronounced. Yeah. But I don't think she's going to complain. No. She's a, she seems a very sweet woman. She does. And uh, Judy, we now know we have seen you nude, um, despite you were being very prim and proper and British by trying to make us by trying to clean. throw us off the path. But no, we have we have seen the goods there. <laughs> we have seen the goods. But I do want to see her. I do want to see some other films. I think she says uh, this is goodbye, Gemini, and plus yeah. several others on her filmography. I was thinking I'm going to have to track down and, and check out. Most assuredly, uh, I think you surprised both of us. Uh, Adrian, with your uh, drawing a, a line, a very distinct and obvious line, if, as soon as you mention it, uh, between arsenic and old lace yeah. and candle for the devil, because yeah, you're right. They are essentially the same story, mm-hmm. one done as comedy, one done as horror. Uh, what an amazing idea! That's true. Yeah. I can't believe that it didn't occur to me. Yeah. God knows I've seen Arsenic oh, and Old Lace. Yeah, yeah. I've, I, I've seen it enough times to be able to remember the plot of it easily enough. But geez, yeah, yeah. You no, know, it's great. Your your points uh, surprised us that we were too thick to uh, to uh, to How? to gather those. Although we probably shouldn't be surprised, but. Uh, the other one too. The whole actually, how many shows have we done in the past where we said like, well, this title's obviously a tie-in with the Exorcist craze, yeah. and yet yeah. we didn't didn't <laughs> draw didn't, one there and should didn't, have. So didn't yeah. <laughs> draw any attention to that idea at all. But Adrian, once again, I think you're right. I think that mm. that retitling of the film uh, probably has a lot more to do with trying to uh, get butts on seats in uh, hopes mm. that mm. someone's going to think it's some kind of variation yeah. on an Exorcist storyline. So yeah, you're probably correct there. And Adrian, I hope it doesn't. Uh, hope it doesn't offend you that uh, I, I have to picture you uh, standing actually on the railroad tracks, dressed as a Gumby from Monty Python. <laughs> <laughs> Adrian was tired. Leave yeah. that man alone. I know. I know. Uh, I th- once again, Adrian, thank you very yeah. much for the voicemail. Appreciate yeah. it, man. Uh, that is a, a completely perfectly fine way to communicate with the podcast. Uh, we're always glad to hear from anybody who has any thoughts on what we're talking about, and. That's great. I mean, mm-hmm. that if that's how you want to communicate with the oh, show, you guys are great. Do yeah. It. yeah. Okay. Well, if you want to get in touch with us, the email address mm-hmm. is nashycast at gmail.com. Please write to us. And as you, you can do what Adrian did, just record something on your mm-hmm. phone while waiting for a train and mm-hmm. zip that off to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also join us over on the Facebook page, the mm-hmm. Nashycast Facebook page. We love uh, we love hearing from you over there as well. We post up the occasional uh, we put, well we post up all kinds of links and we also post up uh, the occasional interesting behind the scenes photograph when I can find some uh, some pretty cool stuff. I'm still scouring. I've been looking for behind the scenes photographs for different films here lately, and uh, haven't found any new Nashy ones. But uh, there's stuff that it lurks out there. So. Uh, I'm trying. I, I'm keeping myself from posting the behind-the-scenes stuff that I've found from Jess Franco films because they usually involve nipples. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, and I kind of want to stay on the right side of Facebook because they have mm. a tendency to ban folks. Yeah. So 
I'll keep it clean, mm-hmm. <laughs> at least on Facebook. Uh, Nashicast at gmail.com, Facebook page. Uh, thank you once again for downloading and listening to the show. Um, we wouldn't be here continuing to do this if you weren't out there listening That's and right. letting us know what you think about the show. Thank you very much for uh, continuing to pay attention to us talking about Spanish horror and Paul Nashy films. I am Rod Barnett. I'm Troy Gwynn. We'll see you again soon. When I asked my baby for a date, she said she'd rather stay at home. The lady said my cold, cold kisses give her chills, but the spooky, spooky movies always give her a thrill. Spooky, spooky movies. My baby loves the spooky movies. <laughs> <laughs> My baby loves the spooky movies. She said, if I look like a King Kong, a big and hairy and a mean and strong, I might have a chance to compete with a thing she calls the creature from the deep. Spooky Over there in a big freaking ice tub. <laughs>